Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Promote Yourself today in our Sporting the Way series. And I just wanted to start us off today with a quick fact. And actually, let me rewind a second and introduce our other guest today. I don't even know about guests. You guys are like, you guys are Sporting the Way. So sorry, that's disrespectful. Let me take that back. I don't mean guests. You guys are Sporting the Way. But Matt, uh, Matt Verano, and Brandon Swanson, BJ, uh, you guys, I mean, well, I guess this isn't new either. We already done an episode. So just, uh, just again, I guess reacquaint ourselves with the audience. But anywho, uh, I wanted to start us off with a fact today, a fun fact today. So uh, the Vikings Raiders game that um, if anybody in the audience and you guys have watched, unfortunately, sorry about that time, you'll never get back. But actually is the lowest combined score in an NFL history in an indoor stadium at 3-0, a combined score of three across two teams for 60 minutes. Very fun game. Very fun game. Wish I could have watched, but I didn't. Yeah. Glad I didn't watch. Um, It seems as if the Dobbs, Jacob Dobbs mania has come to an end. Um, Though I, wouldn't know. I didn't watch. I think he got replaced by a backup in the game. Um, but, you know, I would have expected at least more scoring from the Viking side. Who I just would well, have expected more scoring from anybody's side. Three nothing is unbearable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was not Nate Mullins if... that took over. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Jeez. Former it's... 49ers guy. It's not as if there aren't still, like, you know, I mean, first of all, they're all NFL players. They're all players with, you know, great talent. But there's still playmakers on both sides of the ball, right? Like, so I know Je- I know Jefferson didn't play for the Vikings, but you got Addison, who, at least from my fantasy standpoint, hasn't looked like himself lately. Um, or at least what you might hope he looks like more, especially in the absence of Jefferson. Um, but then for the Raiders, I mean, you got Josh Jacobs, you got Devontae Adams, and obviously your quarterback matters. But and still, not like I, it would be so frustrating to go through a whole game just at three zero, or I mean to zero zero mostly, and then three all of a sudden. And that's it. Could you imagine paying actual money to go to a game where you saw one field goal? And the greatest part of that entire game was the Vikings defense doing a beer cake celebration stand in the end zone for getting an interception. That was probably probably the coolest thing of the day, but obviously it was a 3 nothing game, so you can't really draw too much interest in that. Right. And, and it, the scoring didn't even come until a minute or two minutes left in the fourth quarter, so yeah, not only matters. was it that scoring, but like... Yeah. Very bad, very bad. Terrible problem. So, and that was, was that in Las Vegas? Yeah. Or was that? Yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't even know that was indoors. <sighs> yeah, man. At home, putting up zero. Yeah, no, that's, and Vegas isn't cheap. So to just to be in Vegas, if you came from, whether you came from out of state or like, you know, you're a home local fan, just to show up on game day, you're so excited. And zero is heartbreaking. Like it's, it's tough to watch the Saints score like six points, 13 points or whatever, but. <laughs> to see you putting out all of your effort and for it to mean nothing would be, or like to add up to literally add up to nothing is gotta be heartbreaking, but oh, yeah, I think 
uh, and apparently the uh, so Antonio Pierce, the interim coach, and uh, Mark Davis had a forty-five to an hour conversation after the game, just discussing the game. Could you imagine being the coach sitting in front of an owner, being like, "Hey, that three nothing game, it's not too bad. Like, ah, we'll figure it out." Like, right? That's that's unbearable. <laughs> this is a guy that. Uh, sorry, Trey, but this is a guy that came from. Shout out to the New York Giants, former uh, Super Bowl winning linebacker for the Giants. But he was the interim coach, coach replacing uh, Josh McDaniels and kind of galvanized the players. Uh, they really rallied around him up until, I guess, this point where they didn't, you know, execute on Sunday. So I'm wondering, you know, I, I was hearing a lot of in, in NFL media talking about he has a very good chance of becoming the next head coach and why not if they're playing well under him. So I'm uh, curious as to what that conversation entailed. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But let's go ahead and get kicked off with, I guess, some of the more impactful games of the day. So I guess we can start off with the Rams-Ravens, which was probably the most exciting game of the 1 o'clock time. 37-31 <laughs> overtime, on return touchdown. So I don't know if you guys got to watch any of that, but that was a very good game for what a lot of people thought wasn't going to be a good game because of how the Rams have been this year and the fact that they were able to hold it together. I mean, yeah, they were 6-6. Six and six. They're still fighting for playoff contention. Watching that game, Rams have fight, Ravens have style. And both kind of showed during that time. and. I just thought it was a really exciting game. And, of course, it came down to that punt return touchdown, which was electric. I think that those kind of touchdowns are best in sports. I think, what, the uh, Deshaun Jackson Eagles one, which I'm yeah. sure Matt probably knows about. I was at that game. one of the most electric touchdowns in history from my beginning that I can think of. But, right. I mean, that was that was really cool to see. And even living in Baltimore – the entire city was buzzing the next day. So what would you guys think of that game? Uh, I'm just going to go first because you mentioned that game, um, the Deshaun Jackson punt return against the Giants. I was at that game, and the Giants were up so big that my dad and my older brother and I left at halftime. Um, and then we were driving under a bridge on the way back. We saw the Eagles kind of mounting their comeback, and – the radio cut out. We were listening. The radio cut out, and then when we had gotten through the bridge, uh, it was like Deshaun Jackson touchdown, punt return touchdown. That was that was a low moment, but uh, yeah, great game. Ravens Rams. I think McVay always gives them a ch- the Rams a chance, and uh, I love seeing Odell Beckham like produce on the field in his latter years, and uh, yeah, definitely a better game than I thought. High scoring, I had the over on that. So, uh, one leg of my parlor that did hit. So, um, yeah, I was that was probably the best game of the 1 p.m. slate. Yeah, and one of my takeaways from that game was Sean McVay's a really good coach. Everybody kind of wrote them off this year. They're mm-hmm. gonna be last, and uh, maybe not last, second to last because the Cardinals are absolutely terrible. But the fact that Sean McVay has got them even to a six and seven record, I mean. They still have Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, 
I don't know if you guys got to see it, but the first touchdown pass that he threw, it was this very weird, he was about to get sacked and he just kind of sidearmed it and kind of launched it to an angle into the corner of the end zone. And I was like, oh, that's going out of bounds. There's no way that's a touchdown. And the next thing you know, Cooper Cup has it seven yards inside the end zone. Had no idea how Matt Stafford hit that, but he did. But that's just, the Rams are always going to have a chance as long as Matt Stafford's their quarterback. Granted, I mean, who knows how much longer he'll play. But the fact that Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay can keep them in contention for playoffs is very impressive with the roster they quote-unquote have. But with that Mm -hmm. being said, I mean, Nakua, like Cup, all of their weapons, they can make a run at the playoffs. They just actually have to be able to beat the teams to get there. But I'm actually impressed with the Rams, even in that loss. The fact that they were able to hang toe-to-toe with the Ravens was very impressive to me. So, I mean, like you said, one of the most exciting plays in football being a punt return. Um, being special plays because it just don't happen that often, and then for it to be a game winner. Um, the Deshaun Jackson touchdown was one that I thought about too um, because, I mean, that was around when I was first starting to watch football in those younger years, um, mm-hmm. and I was an Eagles fan initially. So I remember watching that one in the living room and, and losing it. Uh, but to, to kind of cap on what you guys said, as impressive as it was for the Rams, the way I look at that, at, like the NFC, the NFC is like three teams, like to to win. So it's like the implications of this game, while like there were you know there were stakes at hand, um, I think they were definitely heavier for the Ravens than they were the Rams, especially with the way the AFC is starting to shake out with some of the other games we're going to talk about, like Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, I think we'll get to um, Jacksonville and Cleveland. So, I mean, in the AFC is it's kind of t- it's tighter in the way I didn't expect it to. Like I thought there would be a couple juggernauts up at the top, and like they'd be battling, but like no one really looks like a juggernaut. Like even the Ravens, like you know, they everybody seems to be gotcha bowl. Yeah, like you know, like any given Sunday, like they have weaknesses that can be exploited so but I'll, I'll let us transition into that more smoothly as we go to the next ones but right oh, no. that's, and, that's I mean, my impression yeah absolutely and the last thing that i have i guess i say which I, I guess it's not rocket science but even watching lamar jackson in this game i think he i don't want to quote on the rushes but i think it was like five rushes for 70 yards and then just watching that game, the fact that I think there was, I think it was the first scramble he did. He ran out of probably three or four different tackles. He didn't break the tackles. He just completely avoided them in some way, somehow still got 12 to 15 yards just to advance them. I think he is, I grew up loving Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson is a better version of Michael Vick. Right. I mean, I, I guess he has I actually Michael Vick had a cannon, but Lamar's really developed yeah. as a passer. Um so yeah, I think he just does such a good good move uh setting people up to make them miss when he's on the run and people would just respect that. So like they're always I assume it would be 
a daunting task trying to corral him. Um, should we move to uh, – I know we just did an AFC-NFC matchup. Uh, we could, I guess, go to the the top of the AFC, if you guys are cool with that, with, uh, with Bill's Chiefs, which was a controversial ending. Um, I caught most of the game, and my takeaways initially were – uh, the Bills are, like, heavily reliant on Josh Allen. The Chiefs seem to – I don't know if they play down to the competition or if it's just that they don't have enough uh, variety on offense aside from Kelsey, but that last play. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think of, of the controversial uh, offsides call on Kadarius Tony? So I guess kind of building off of both of your questions right there, like, A, I don't feel like they play down in the competition because I feel like they've been playing playoff teams for the past three weeks. And yeah. I think I think what I saw today was they've scored 17 points in the past three games against three playoff teams. I think, and I think it was apparent last year, I just think there was some of that Mahomes magic where – they lost Tyreek Hill last year, and they lost their biggest weapon. And now it can't all be Travis Kelsey because no matter what, a tight end is not going to take you to the Super Bowl and win you the Super Bowl. But second question, that was offsides. You can't sit there and throw a damn fit the entire time at the end of the game because it was offsides. I mean, if you're going to take that into account, then you might as well take that Super Bowl last year and then wipe it out the door. Because that Eagles call holding, granted Bradbury called it like at the end of the game, like, oh, I did hold. It was still a ticky-tack call. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess if you're going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid, you can't sit there and say, oh, you got to let the boys play. It's like, okay, well, if you live by that logic, last year you guys probably wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. So it's like you can't, you kind of can't have it both ways. It's not fun when the rabbit has the gun. So, just just straight on surface level, yeah, you're offsides, dude, and by a mile. Like, there's just not really any excuse or reason. Like, and this is so. This is from somebody who didn't play receiver, but like you know, flag and at the middle school level. Like by the time I got to high school, I was running back and linebacker like positions. I wasn't you know a receiver, but like I already know that when you line up, you're supposed to look, first of all, to, to the line of scrimmage, but also to the ref. You check with the ref yeah. that you're good. And so, one, that's on Kadarius Tony, who's been the guy as far as, say, like if the Chiefs had a you know hard knocks in-season kind of thing going on, Kadarius Tony would be the, the star of the show. Um, so, like, there's just got to be accountability there, like, as quarterback to your receiver as coach to your receiver like that's that's on him to not see that right and then now what i will say though is to andy reed's point usually there is that communication between coaches and refs like and i'm and i'm assuming you guys have played some football and i don't know if you heard it in your high school careers but like i've heard like coach gotta tell him to get back coach gotta tell him to step back he's gotta line up coach and there's like usually some type of communication there. 
between ref and coach. And so when Andy Reid says that that wasn't there, I'm inclined to believe Andy Reid. But that said, there's got to be, there's got, like, he is offsides. That is against the law. That's just, it yeah. is what it is. It, it sucks that it ends up being uh, a play that changes the game, changes the game, like, in such a drastic way at the end there. But the refs aren't in the wrong. Can't blame the refs for calling the play. And, like, I mean, calling it how it, it was so yeah and i mean call it what it was it sucked because it took away a great highlight awesome that's what it was like that was like the max rugby you could get like he just he darted a a spiral what a throw actually because like i mean any any differently placed in it was that micah hyde swatting that down fumble and now it's on the dirt and it's a totally different situation so now that was that was a great throw, and thank goodness. I mean, well, it doesn't matter, but Tony actually had hands this yeah. time and made a play. Yeah, I mean, I'm I have sour feelings about Kadarius Tony again bringing some bring up sour <laughs> As a Giants feelings. fan. I understand, and I, um, and was never like his ability was never showcased to its full extent on in New York. Um, but yeah, I I was I didn't hear what Andy Reid said, but. Definitely, uh, Tony has to take some responsibility. Like you were saying, Trey, you check with the ref um, whether you're on or off the ball to make sure you're lined up correctly. Um, but in that situation, like I get Mahomes, like he 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 was really like upset about like. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's he just wanted to win the game, and that play would have won them the game most likely. Um, but the thing about – you always hear, like, don't let the refs decide it. So yeah. if they were to execute better in some other area, defense, or, or if they put together a di- another drive, scoring drive, like, could have won a different way. So that's yeah. kind of where I land on that. Um, but I'm, I don't feel like – you just never see offensive – uh, offsides, really, especially called on receivers. So that's why I think it's like a huge story. Well, and so a, a few things like, so one, I think you don't normally see it. One, because there's usually that communication, at least to some degree, whether it's quarterback to receiver, coach to receiver, coach, like ref to coach to receiver, like whatever. Because so a couple stats and things that I heard watching, like, I mean, first things first. Um, so as far as the the not executing piece. Like, and, and BJ said, you know, they scored 17 in their last three games. They scored under 20 points six times this season. Mm-hmm. And up until leading into this year in Mahomes' whole starting career, they had done it six times. Wow. And in, in the year since he became a starter, they had scored under 20 points six times. So obviously there's the Tyreek Hill effect. You know, that's largely part of it. Eric Bieniemy not being there anymore. Like, you know, there's there's other factors there, but it comes down to, yeah, execution. Next stat. So apparently, so <laughs> Nick Wright pulled this number out. I think it was like over 25,000 snaps Andy Reid has coached, right? That's the first time that he has ever had an offensive offsides, which would lend some credence to Usually, like, if he says, 
I've never had that situation where there he didn't tell me or he didn't talk to me in in those scenarios. Like there's usually that communication. So like if he doesn't have any leading up to this snap in over 25,000 snaps and Andy Reid's going to be as locked in with the ref as any coach, then it does seem to be like, yeah, maybe the ref could have helped you out a little bit there. But again, I, it, bottom line, where I stand on it is better discipline and responsibility. You got to demand more from your receivers. You kind of convinced me, Trey. That I, I think I'm now on the <laughs> the side of the Chiefs. So, yeah. See, um, my whole thing was so apparently the NFL has like made it like a point to start calling this this year. So I think so. What I think what I listened to, and it, this was from Barstool Sports, but two years ago this penalty was called once. Last year this penalty was called two or three times. This year to date, it's been called eleven. Oh, so okay. I think it's actually been something that the NFL is actually trying to enforce. And from what I understood, Tony looked right to the ref and didn't look left to the ref. Granted, I don't know how much that plays into account. I'm not an NFL player. But sounds like it could have probably been avoided. But also, I'm not going to belabor the point. I mean, at the end of the day, Bills won, Chiefs lost. Patrick Mahomes kind of looked like a little bit of a sore loser. But that was also because of how great the ending play was. Like, you want that to stand. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to make two last points, and then we, and we can move on. Um, first, to the point about those eleven, like the the emphasis on that call in particular this year, and seeing somebody else take it a step further is how they said I mentioned how the stat can be a bit misleading because a majority of those calls were on offensive linemen and tush push scenarios or something like that, where they go past the center, which, you know, is a a lot easier to miss because one, we don't pay as much attention to what's going on on the line itself. Um, But two, yeah, those are easy, like easily ignored because they don't tend to be in really big scenarios, for instance. Um, So there's that is I think only two of them, the offsides are like uh, offensive offsides. Only two of them have been on receivers this year. I don't know. So Again, but not to belabor the point, uh, as you said, and and to the 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 Mahomes thing. As as athletes, I think we can understand like that level of frustration and, and being in a game like that and having it end like that. Like, there's hardly anything that can contain that emotion. I don't like how he handled it, particularly within like in Josh Allen's face. The press conference not terrible, honestly. At that point say what you want, you know, say, you know, express yourself. Um, but when it came to quarterbacks meeting at the middle and yeah. it being a, Hey, that's just how it rolls. Good game. Good game. Yeah, I because they did their part. They yeah. did their part to win the game. You didn't do yours. And if that came down to discipline and the refs at the end, so be it, but you didn't do enough to win the game. So don't tell the winner. Don't tell the winner at like, you know, as you're shaking hands, because y'all are two great quarterbacks in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite Allen seeming to sometimes take a step back in the recent years, but don't come to that handshake and say that's the wildest I've ever seen, or wildest call, or worst call I've ever seen. Like that, just it's not a good look. It's so I didn't really love that from Mahomes, 
but otherwise, yeah. it is I what mean, it is. I, I think he's starting to deal with the uh, I'm not invincible. The Chiefs aren't invincible. Like they are everything. You guys think we're going to win? So not juggernauts anymore. Where that kind of leads off at, but and that's sorry. And no, like, no, that, go ahead, keep going. That's that's an interesting thing of like, what is it like going from a favorite, almost a perennial favorite? You know, every year you're the team to beat, and when and when you weren't, it was like okay, it was Brady. <laughs> so it's like yeah. if you weren't the team to beat, Brady was. Mm-hmm. So now you're going from that to just being a contender. You're just a regular contender now. You're you're human, so to speak. You come down to earth and you play at everybody else's level. You're not a tier above anymore. So maybe there is like, for lack of a better word, like a panic to it. Because it's like, because eight and five, that is it eight and five or is it eight and six now? I think eight and five now, but they're used to being more, more on there's the a bigger. Side. Um, yeah, that's something like twelve and one, you know, like, or or ten and ten and three, like. But eight and five is really close. They, they've never been this late in the season, with the Broncos being one game behind them to win the division. <laughs> so I guess think about that with Russell Wilson. So right, yeah. I think but, we should uh, cover. Uh, considering uh, we've gone like in depth on these, I would say those are the two biggest games. Should we go to like the last one being Eagles Cowboys? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was going to shoot two more because Eagles and Cowboys is, I think that's a quicker one. And then we can move on to the last one, but let's go ahead and kick off with the Eagles and Cowboys because that was an absolute drubbing by the Cowboys, the fact that the Eagles looked the way they did with the three fumbles from their three biggest star players on offense mm-hmm. was actually really crazy. And I don't know. I think the Eagles are starting to show more of like the kind of like the Chiefs saying, like they're not invincible. They can't just do everything and it's always going to work out. Um, the Cowboys have been on fire as recent. So Dak looked good. The three fumbles certainly didn't help. I think that obviously would have changed the game. But the fact that Hurts, Brown, um, was it Devontae? There you go. Hurts, Brown, and Smith all had crucial fumbles throughout that game. And the Cowboys won 33-13. Kind of makes complete sense. So, I mean, Eagles beat them earlier in the year. Cowboys now beat them later in the year. But that loss to the Cowboys looks a lot worse than when the Cowboys lost to the Eagles because the Cowboys lost to the Eagles in a very minute fashion. Like, they Mm -hmm. could have easily won that game. This game was kind of over after halftime. Yeah, it seemed like it. I I almost feel like the perception on these two teams, of these two teams, has completely switched. Um, Me... I think a lot of people view the Cowboys as a team that's always good, but never makes it past like the NFC championship or previous rounds in the playoffs. Um, A team that like can't beat winning teams or just some, uh, a team that like has a big ego, a huge fan base, but always lets people down when it matters most, Uh, which we've seen in previous years. 
and I think people still have that perception like before two weeks ago. And then I think the Eagles, or I'm sorry, now the the Cowboys have beat some winning teams. And now the Eagles kind of looked invincible, even though they weren't playing their best at the beginning of the season. And at this point, they've dropped two of their last two uh, to great teams. But I think people view them as more flawed. But, I mean, I think both of these teams are still contenders for the NFC candidate to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I definitely think it falls between those two and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think those are the clear favorites. Um, personally, I think it's San Fran. Um, I mean, I I think that's – and that's not even a hot take, you know. Like, I think that's – I mean, you can absolutely make arguments against it being San Fran, but I think San Fran has smoked both of these teams and shown, like – the real deal through and through because I was going to bring up the point too. Like the Cowboys have been just beating up on a bunch of bum teams ultimately, but, and, and now they have, they have some like between the sea, the last two games with the Seahawks and the Eagles, those do look convincing Seahawks. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to put too high up on pedestal Eagles. That shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, I can't just swipe that, you know, sweep that under the rug. Like that, that was a convincing and good win. And I don't even think that those were particularly reckless plays by the Eagles, like with those fumbles. I think that the Cowboys defense just made plays. They went in like those were good strips, good punches. Like you, yeah. you watch those replays, those were fantastic plays by the defense. And it's not, and, and to the Cowboys' credit, that defense has been pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, you know, because any given Sunday, even against bad teams, you might struggle here and there. Like you might look, you know, fraudulent, but they have been consistently putting in work on defense. So, I mean, I still think they're a front runner and largely that probably is because I think San Fran is just far and away better than these teams. Like as just as a complete unit. Now, again, any given Sunday, like, you know, they, they could face each other, and it just all goes right for Dallas or Philly, whoever's playing them. But I think that's San Fran's conference to lose. Um, so, but I mean, it it was a it was a big game yesterday, and I think the Cowboys did have kind of said, "Let's show a little bit more respect that we're serious this year." So yeah, and I mean, I'm really curious to see how not just the conference, but the division for playoffs. I mean, that's the difference probably between, I would guess, between the number two and the number five seed. But, I mean, you look at it, the Eagles have Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So, I guess Matt can probably give some insight onto the Giants, but I'm going to – I'm not a huge NFC East guy, so it's like I don't know how those games are played, but I would assume the Eagles would win. But – also, the NFC East cannibalizes itself. I feel like every year it would not surprise me if the Giants won one of those games. So the Eagles win that division if they went out. Then the Cowboys have to go against the Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. Obviously, the two big ones being the Bills and Dolphins the next two weeks. So I have a hunch that the Eagles might still win that division. But either way, it's still going to be very interesting to see actually who wins the NFC East because that's the difference between you playing at your home stadium and you playing away. 
I mean, the Cowboys are amazing at AT and T, and it's very hard to win at the link. Yeah, like if you go to Philly, it's that, that's tough. So, yeah. I guess we'll see what happens with that. But that's going to be kind of interesting the last four weeks to kind of see what uh what happens with that. But um, if you guys don't have any more takes on that game, I'll kind of end it on this, and it's just because it was kind of my one of my personal favorite games at one o'clock. But the Jaguars and Browns game, I know it sounds very boring, but that was actually a very good game. And I think the Jaguars are frauds, honestly. But I think that's just kind of the AFC South in general, and that's including my team, the Titans, you know. Um, it's not it's not a very good division. But that Browns defense, especially if you play them at home are very, very tough to beat. Like, their cornerbacks were drowning their wide receivers. Um, but overall, the Browns with Joe Flacco actually don't look bad. The I mean, the play calling is working out well. It's play actions, it's screens, but it's working. So if they can keep that up, I mean, the Browns are 8-5. and five. They're the number... I want to say they're the number five seed in the AFC right now. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they are. Sounds as right. As long as they can keep that up, I mean, the Browns are going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs because the last thing you want to play in the playoffs is a great defense, and Browns have a great defense. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but it was a very ugly turnover-heavy game. There were seven turnovers total in the game. Um, Trevor Lawrence had three interceptions. Don't know if that has anything to do with his ankle or not, but pretty much from what I watched from the game, it was every touchdown pretty much was a blown coverage, and every interception was a terrible interception. So, like I said, don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but go for it. Uh, I mean, that was definitely an interesting game. Um, Just to finish uh, on the Previous topic, I think the Eagles went out and win that division. That was just my initial instinct, uh, especially you listing those last four opponents, which right. are pretty weak. The Jags-Browns was interesting. Joe Flacco has been a surprisingly, like, very productive fantasy pickup for myself. Um, Good job, man. Trevor Lawrence I also have in fantasy. Uh, and, you know, didn't produce – Flacco had a better week in that aspect. Uh, you said they're frauds. I don't know. It's hard to tell coming out of that division. They did beat the Texans uh, a few weeks ago, and I think the Texans are solid. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this game was in Cleveland, like you said. I think the Browns probably have the best defense in the league. So I think it's a bad matchup for, for Jacksonville. I can't. I wouldn't say they're frauds, um, but I don't think they can beat the best teams. I thought they were going to have like, I thought they would win their division going into the season. Um, it looks like they probably still will, but um, and they did last year. But it was between them and the Titans. Now you have the Texans and the Colts kind of contending. So um, yeah, interesting game. It was close, and then you see the uh, the Browns in a much tougher division. Uh, pretty much all of those teams are contenders. 
and they are staying afloat basically with their defense and now Joe Flacco, but I think he's not continuing as the backup. I think maybe DTR is back. Um, I just saw that in passing on, on X. So I don't know, Trey, did you have thoughts on that game? So I actually didn't see this game. And, but as, as far as speaking to, you know, the Jaguars' potential fraudulence, um, to your point, I mean, the only teams that I see on here that they've beaten that are above 500 are the Bills and the Texans. And the Bills only just got above 500 this week. And the Texans are one game, one game above 500. Um, and they lost to them too. So now as far as the Texans go, the Texans have a very good foundation to be a real strong team. And honestly, even like a real uh, contender for their division year in and year out for the next five plus years, their defense is what concerns me. Uh, they, they can, they definitely have guys, both rookies and older guys between Jimmy Ward covering up over the top. And then Henry, I don't know how to say his name. Cause it's like, to Tuloa or something like that. It's but like they have playmakers, but they they do seem to give up a lot, which forces then your CJ Stroud to to do a lot more. And he's been phenomenal. And now how long are you out of Tank Dell, right? And obviously that's been his favorite target this year. Um but I know we're talking about the and, Jags. Uh, and Michael Collins went out yesterday too, so they lost him. So and and that was a tough showing. Um, that was one of the few games I actually did have on TV, um, and I remember seeing it at zero zero halftime. And I saw the Jets get their first score, and that was the last I saw of the game. And then I looked later, and it's like thirty to six. And I was like, "What?" Yeah, no. Just that was a wild. And game. so they're losing their grip. They had it like so a few weeks ago. They had a chance to to beat the Jags to sweep the Jags and really put themselves in a solid position to be first for the division and make the playoffs. And now you're on the outside looking in, and you need so much to happen for you to make it because you're now in the hunt, and there's a lot of AFC teams in the hunt. And that is, that's going to be tough for them, especially when you drop games like the Jets um, because that's a team, even, even with obviously your injuries, that's a team you should be able to beat. And who do you have left? You have the Browns the Titans twice, and the Colts, I believe. we got four games left, right? Where we... Well, that's at least two wins against the Titans, so that's good. Right, and, and so, you know, like, there's a chance, but you need the Jags to continue losing, and you need to beat the Browns, who we just talked about has an elite-level defense and and maybe a throwback elite Joe Flacco, and they can make some serious noise. So... It's, do they, do I mean, they play the Browns next week? Do you know? They, off top of your I head? Think, yeah, they play the Browns this coming week because, yeah, I don't work this next week. Yeah, so that's um, probably going to be a loss because I'm assuming Stroud's out with a concussion still because I know he's in the oh, protocol. So. Is he? So then, yeah, he's yeah, – so in which I case, like, so Davis problem. Mills steps – Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, is he in? Titans. Titans next week. Oh, okay, okay. Titans well, next hey, week. Hey, they still might win. Who knows? We saw. They still might win. Um – Titans next week, then Browns, then Titans again, and then the Colts, who I believe they did lose to early on in the season. So they aren't really in control of their destiny right now. Um, 
But to Matt's point, I mean, they have a, they have a solid foundation. I think they can be uh, a, a strong pick to win the division over the next five years. They can really put themselves in a good position. Yeah, it's been a big turnaround just from last year. They're one of those teams who this year I don't think is their year, but I think they're going to be a force. As long as C.J. Stroud keeps on the trajectory he's going on, they're going to be a force for the next 10-plus years. Like The AFC South has been historically one of the worst divisions in football for the longest time. Now you got Trevor Lawrence. Now you got C.J. Stroud. Who knows what Will Levis is going to be? And Anthony Richardson, who knows what he's going to be? That could potentially be one of the best divisions in football within the next two to three years. You have absolutely no idea. But, um, yeah, I know. I, I love C.J. Stroud. I'm a Stroud boy. So, yeah, uh, it's it, it pains me to say as a Titans fan, but he's he, he he's really good. But, um, but yeah. So do you guys have any other games, topics you guys want to go over? I have any really pressing ones that I was thinking about when I was looking at these yesterday. If not, mm. we can just end off on me and Matt giving predictions of what our teams are going to do tonight, no matter how depressing it might be. Let's roll, let's roll with that. that. Works. Um, All right, Matt. Shoot, what you got? I think uh, I'm going to take the Giants here tonight. Got to... Ah. I got to roll with with Tommy Cutlets, Tommy touchdown. Um, he uh, he's just he's invigorated the uh, the team, the fans. I mean, it's gonna be close. I I think the Packers are on a roll. It's zero zero right now, so like I don't have like much of a hint based on the current score. I'll take the Giants like twenty four to twenty. Yeah, so for my I'm side, I'm, a, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm a lot less optimistic than you, so we're already down seven zip. Um, I think the over under, or not the over under, but the spread was thirteen and a half for the Dolphins. So who knows with that? But we're gonna lose, and I'm okay with that. Higher draft pick. We're not going to the playoffs anyway this year. Um, I guess my big pick for tonight was and this might piss off Matt a little bit but uh I threw 25 down to win 185 so a plus 200 bet so I need the Packers to cover the spread of five and a half I need Jordan Love to get two touchdown passes and I need the under to be 37 so that's kind of what I'm going with We'll see what happens, but uh, that's kind of that's kind of my play tonight. It's fair. I'll weigh both of our predictions, or your wager and my prediction equally. So yeah, I, we'll, I won't care. I I hope you make money though. I, I don't want you. <laughs> hey man, if I lose twenty five, I lose twenty five. It's more so just for the fun to keep me up till eleven thirty when the game ends. But um. Sure. It was good uh, talking with you guys, and if that's all, we'll uh, we'll recap the bet and the prediction on Wednesday. Yes, sir. Good rundown, boys. All right, guys. Take it easy. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for joining Thanks. us today. Thank you.